many of you guys remember a few weeks ago when Caleb said something about, I can't remember what he said, but he said we're supposed to you know, do something where we march around or dance around the sanctuary. You guys remember that? Well, that's when that happened. She broke her ankle um, several months ago. I don't know if it's over a year. If it's been over a year, several months ago, out in the parking lot, eight months, uh, broke her ankle, um, been dealing with the pain and all that kind of stuff, had surgery and all that stuff. And, but she said that when she was walking around, that's when all of a sudden she started feeling freedom, healing, and now she can walk a whole lot better without pain and that kind of thing. So when we do crazy things, a lot of times there's a reason behind that. I thought that was pretty significant. Matthew chapter 8. We've been doing a series on the simple gospel for the last number of weeks. I'm going to continue that this morning. Out of Romans 1.16, I'm going to read that real quick. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for those that believe. And then 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5, it says, and this is what Paul said. He says, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. How many of you realize that the gospel, when Jesus came and declared the good news of the kingdom, it wasn't just about talking. Unfortunately, the church in America, for the most part, or for a lot of part, it's about talking. We go on our college campuses, or we go wherever we go, and praise God, I appreciate men and women sharing the good news. I appreciate that. Them sharing and declaring, sharing the truth about Jesus. But unfortunately, we're not sharing the full gospel. Because the full gospel is not just about words. It's not about me sharing, encountering you, and then telling you about Jesus. It starts with that. Because, see, if I'm trying to tell you and convince you about Jesus, you might start trying to convince me about Muhammad. And if you're more persuasive and more articulate, you might actually convince me. If it's just a matter of of exchanging words. And unfortunately, in America, it has become a lot of that. Sharing words, trying to convince people, trying to talk them into something. And if I can talk someone into the gospel, someone can come along and talk them out of it. And that's not even what Jesus modeled. He didn't just come and talk. Matter of fact, they said, man, you preach with someone, someone of authority. Unlike the religious leaders who did a lot of talking, a lot of talking. But it says that Jesus, he taught, he preached, and he sat down and said it was done. Is that what happened? He taught and he preached and he what? Excuse me? He demonstrated what? The power of God. It says he taught 
and he preached and he healed the sick. See, not only did he say the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it's right near you. He talked about it. He preached it. And then he demonstrated it. Paul says right here, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. And a lot of us rely on that. We rely on it. Man, if I can get the most articulate person to explain to this person over here, so they'll understand. And sometimes Holy Spirit does use that. He uses anointed speech or preach or whatever to to speak to someone, and it penetrates their heart. But Paul says, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit's and power, of the Spirit and power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now I know I'm preaching healing in a church that believes in healing. That's a beautiful sound tone. (laughs) We as charismatic Christians, we believe in Holy Spirit. We believe that the gifts are for today, right? Do we or do we not? We do believe in it. Are we seeing it manifest to the level that we believe God wants us to? No. So that's why we'd be talking about it today. You know, as I've walked with the Lord for quite some time, and I remember early on in my Christian walk, I got a hold of some verses, and I actually read the Bible, and as I was reading it, I was seeing what Jesus was doing, And then he made the mistake and said, those who believe in me shall do the very same things I just did. I said, what would you say, Jesus? I looked at that again. He said, those who believe in me, the works that I do, referring to the miracles that he did, they shall do also, and greater works than these shall you do because. And he goes on to explain. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. And then I came across a verse that said, these signs shall follow those that believe. They shall go to church and give tithes and be good people. Is that what it says in your Bible? These signs shall follow those that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick. Those that believe. Not those who are called into full-time ministry as far as pastors or missionaries or, or apostles or whatever. Those that believe. So it's not just for the super Christian, but it's for those that believe. Can I ask you a question? How many of you believe in Jesus? If you'd raise your hand. And I'm not talking about I agree with Jesus. I mean, I believe in him. He's, he's it. Okay, you people, you're who he's talking about. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so I remember walking in this, well, learning it and beginning to, I said, you know, Lord, if this is true, I want to see it. And I wasn't tempting God or testing God or saying, prove it to me. But what I was saying is, God, is, if this is true, I'm going to walk in it. Because I believe that's what you're saying. And I began to find a place that had a lot of people. 
And I found this place called Walmart. I said, ooh, I bet there's a lot of people there. So I just began to go around looking for people to try this stuff on. And I prayed for a lot of people and didn't see hardly anything happen. But I kept feeling encouraged by Holy Spirit. Keep going. And he was challenging me to not do that based on the results. But pray for people based on what his word says. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so I kept doing that. And then guess what happened? People started getting healed in Walmart, in Lowe's, at Conoco, in the parking lot. It's like, wow, this is pretty awesome. This is pretty cool, Jesus. And he kept living life, praying for people, not seeing things happen, praying for people, people dying anyway. You know, you get, get discouraged. And then you begin to allow doubt and unbelief begin to dominate your soul and and dictate the direction you're going to go. And actually, it began to dictate my belief in Jesus' word, in what he was saying. And then I felt like Holy Spirit encouraged me with something. He said, son, I want to encourage you to start over. Because you remember when Jesus said to receive the kingdom, you must be like a little child? Remember that? We know children don't know a lot. They're very simplistic, very simple, very simple-minded. You as a parent tell them something, they're going to believe you. But see, as we get older, as adults, and we begin to have all these experiences with life and hardships and challenges and everything, we become more sophisticated, we become more intelligent, and then we start questioning, and then we, we're challenged with belief. And doubt and unbelief begin to take a hold. <clears throat> and I felt like the Lord challenged me at this time. He said, son, I just want to encourage you to start over. Become like a little child again. It's like hitting the reset button. You know, if you're playing a video game and you're getting beat really bad by someone, hit the reset button and it starts everything all over again. Right? Now, the person you're playing may not be too happy about that. Sometimes we need to hit the reset button and we need to start over. We need to say, Lord, I'm going to choose to believe your word again. There's a man in the, in the scripture that says, I believe, help my unbelief. Because if you look around, we believe in miracles. We believe in healing. We believe that this is part of God's plan, his will. But we're not seeing it, frankly. I mean, I appreciate testimonies like Katie's. I appreciate it because it's encouraging. It's like, yes, God is doing stuff. He wants to do more. But do you realize that he ordained his kingdom to flow through you and me? Do you realize that? Do you realize that? Does anybody else realize that? He ordained God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the almighty powerful one. 
It's like, you know, if God wants to, he can just reach down and touch and heal people. See, if he wanted to, he could. And if he wanted to, he could. But he ordained to do it through you. He ordained for people to be healed through his kids. And I believe that when that happens, he gets even greater glory because he uses weak and imperfect vessels to demonstrate his power and reality. So the Lord told me to start over, and here's what he told me to do. Read the Gospels and look at Jesus. And so I started reading the Gospels, and I started looking at Jesus. And I started getting extremely and very encouraged. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. This is after the Sermon on the Mount, the, the long famous, the famous sermon that Jesus preached to the multitudes. And the right after it says, And when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leopard came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing. In other words, he believed that he could because of what he probably already heard. Because Jesus had already started doing miracles and healing people. So he believed that he could because he recognized who he was. He says, I know you can. I'm not sure if you want to. If you want to, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one but go your way. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. That word willing is thelo in the Greek. It means to wish, desire, will, take delight in. It carries the idea of being ready, preferring, and having in mind. So you're saying, Jesus, if you desire, if you will, if you take delight in, you can heal me. Jesus says, I desire to do that. I want to do that. You know, he didn't even hesitate, apparently, the way it looks. And then, right after that, the next story, it says, Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, or Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Now, the centurion is telling Jesus the situation. And he didn't even ask him a question yet. He said, my servant is paralyzed, he's in pain, he's at home. And immediately says, Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. He didn't even get to the question yet. He didn't even say, would you come and heal him? He's telling him the situation. Jesus says, I'll come and heal him. And then we know that he does. Verse 14, Matthew chapter 8. Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with the fever. So he touched her hand and the fever left her and she rose and she served him. He saw something and he did something about it. And then when evening came, verse 16, they brought to him many who were demon possessed and he cast out the spirits with the word and he healed all who were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. Mark chapter 5. 
Mark 5, 21. It shares the same stories in Matthew, but it gives more detail. I like how it reads in, in Mark. It gives more detail. So verse 21 says, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue named, came, Jairus by name. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be healed and she'll live. So Jesus went with him. You notice Jesus, in any of these circumstances, Jesus did not stop and argue with them. He didn't say, well, no, it's not God's will to heal. As soon as he learned or saw the circumstance, he he did something. Verse 24, so Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had, had, she had spent all that she had and was no better but grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? So here was a lady that knew, she believed, if I can just touch him. And see, there were instances, now I can't remember if it happened before or after this. I'm assuming that it happened before. But she heard about, or there's other places in the Bible where it says they just touched his clothes and they were healed. Jesus allowed them to touch his garments, his clothes, and people were healed. So apparently this lady heard about that. And she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I'm going to be healed. And what I find fascinating about this, that encourages me more about the kingdom of God and what he's made available, it says she touched him without him even knowing. And it says Jesus felt power go out of him. He's like, whoa, who just touched me? He felt power go out of him. And the reason why I get excited about that is because it shows that the kingdom of heaven and the resources and healing was available. All she had to do was grab a hold of it and receive it, even without Jesus knowing about it. Is it God's will to heal? Look what Jesus did. And even when he wasn't paying attention, boy, you know, he was on his way to Jairus' house, and a lady came up behind him and grabbed his clothes And his power came out of his body and healed her. Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. When you read the Gospels, you see a Jesus who's very passionate and compassionate for people. And what I saw and what I felt like Holy Spirit was showing me and what was encouraging my soul and just filling me up with hope and encouragement and faith 
was he, because he said, read the Gospels and look at Jesus. So I was looking at Jesus and I was watching what he was doing. It was like watching a movie and I was studying the main character. And I saw how passionate he was and how aggressive he was. If you want to, you can. I want to. Bam. My servant is at home. I'll come heal him. Remember uh, blind Bartimaeus? He's yelled, Jesus is, and they're walking, and there's a whole parade of people, and he's yelling because he hears them. He hears that Jesus is walking, and he can't see him, so he starts yelling. And starts calling them by his name, recognizing that this is the Messiah, son of David. Have mercy on me. And Jesus stops, stops the whole parade, and says, bring him here. And he says, he comes before him, and he says, now it's obvious that he's blind, right? He says, what would you like me to do for you? And the guy said, I want to, I want to regain my sight. You got it. And he was healed, regained his sight. When you look in the New Testament, when you look at Jesus and what he did, there was no instance when he said no to healing. Except one time, it's kind of almost a no. When a lady came, the Syrophoenician woman who had the daughter who was demon-possessed, and she said, Jesus, have mercy on me. My daughter is sick or, or she's tormented. He said, I ain't got time for you. Paraphrase. I wasn't sitting here for you. It's not good to give the children's bread to the dogs. You know, whatever he said, that, that could sound very offensive. And she wouldn't take any part of that. She said, okay, that's... All right, I hear you. However, can I at least have the crumbs? All I need is a crumb. And Jesus said, oh, woman, your faith is so great. Healed, his, healed her daughter. But other than that time, there's no instance in, with Jesus where someone comes to him and says, I want to be healed. And he says... No, I'm not going to heal you because it's God's will for you to stay sick. It's not God's will to heal you. And see, that is a very prevalent doctrine in Christendom or churchendom or whatever. But Jesus never gave that opportunity. If we're looking at his example, he never gave the opportunity for us to create that doctrine from him. Every person that came to him. And that's why I feel like the Holy Spirit said, look at Jesus. Look at him. And when I look at his example, when I look at him and what he did, and then he says, okay, now you go do the same thing. Jesus told his disciples, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will teach you how to fish for men. I will teach you how to, to heal, to set them free. And so I want to invite and encourage you to look at Jesus. Look at his example. Look how passionate he was and is. You know, the Bible says that Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Anybody ever heard that verse? 
So if Jesus was very passionate and compassionate and loved to heal people and did heal people back then when he walked the earth, do you think that he still might want to continue to do that? Maybe. At least a maybe. How does he want to do that? He's not walking the earth anymore in physical form. He went to be with the Father and he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in each and every one of us so that he could continue to do what he did back then. He started, brought the kingdom down to earth and even taught his disciples to pray. Pray this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He also says, as the Father has sent me, in the same way the Father has sent me, so I send you. I hope somebody's getting something from this. You know, people say, well, God uses sickness. God puts sickness on people so he can be glorified, so that their character can be developed and, and all these so they can learn, they can be taught. I believe God gave us his Holy Spirit and his word to teach us. And we can also learn from life experiences. And when we go through trials and tribulations and we go through hardships, if we find ourselves sick, we can learn from those circumstances. We can learn patience and endurance and faithfulness and all that, that kind of thing. But I don't see where in the Bible that says God puts that on us so that we can learn. And if that one thing right there is, I believe, what causes a lot of doubt and unbelief. Because if I believe that God made provision for my healing through his son, Jesus, by his stripes I'm healed, he made provision for my healing through Jesus, but then he's going to put sickness on me, I'm confused. And that right there creates enough doubt. The Bible says if you pray the prayer of faith, the person will be raised up. I can't, if I'm praying the prayer of doubt and unbelief, that's not the prayer of faith. And see, it's these doctrines that get inside. They sound good. They make sense, so to speak. Some of them do. And they mess us up. And then we get stuck. And then we say, well... Father, if it be your will, heal this person. You know, if it's God's will, then he'll heal that person. If it's not his will, if they don't get healed, then it must not be God's will. I mean, that's what we, we rationalize that. And I'm probably going to get into more of that next week, but I want to ask this question. If we're in a church, say we visit a church and they, they love Jesus, they're born again, but they don't believe they, don't, they believe, excuse me, they believe that the gifts and the healings and the miracles are, are no longer for today. They believe that they passed away. Okay? There are denominations that believe that. All right? So I'm not just making this up. They believe that this dispensation, this time period, the gifts are no longer, healing and stuff is no longer valid. That happened back then. So if we're in a church like that, and they believe that, they love Jesus, but they believe that, and there are sick people in that church. Are you willing to tell me that it is not God's will to heal any of them? 
Now, in that environment, they're probably not going to get healed. But in a different church that believes it's God's will to heal, believes that God wants to, he wants to, and they actively pray that way, and people are getting healed. So would we say God wants these people healed, but he doesn't want his kids over here healed? Is that a, would you agree with that? So then it's not just so that thing where if God wants me healed, I'll be healed. If it's his will to heal me, I'll be healed. That's not necessarily the case, is it? It is his will. He's made provision for it. We do have a responsibility to receive that provision. And what we believe does make a difference. Church A, church B. Mark chapter 6. Now, when you read the Gospels, you see that Jesus went to all these places and he began to heal people. And as a result of him healing people, he began to, crowds began to follow him. And people were just amazed and they were glorifying God and they were freaking out and saying, oh my goodness, we've never seen anything like this. And wherever he went, people were getting healed. Powerful miracles were happening. Until. Mark chapter 6. Then he went from there and came to his own country and, to his, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. It's interesting because he would go to synagogues and he would teach. And then what would he do? What would he do when he would teach in the synagogues? Anybody? He would teach, and then what else would he do in the synagogues? What? Say it again. Rebuke. Heal. Heal. He would teach, and he would heal. Just read it. In the synagogues, he would go and he would preach or teach, and he would heal. Just remember that word heal, okay? So that's what he would do. And then here he goes again. Verse 2, And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished. So I believe he was setting the stage and he was about to do something. He was teaching, and then he was going to do something. And many were hearing him, were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things, and what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? So the people had heard about what Jesus had been doing. Now these were Jesus' own folks. These are the people that he, that, that he grew up around. Verse 3, Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he, check this out, verse 5, now he, talking about Jesus, could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Here's the key. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. So we say if God wants us healed, we'll be healed. If it's not his will, then it's not going to happen. Right here, what I read 
is it says, Jesus, verse 5, Now he could do no mighty work there except. He could do no mighty work there except. In other words, I believe he wanted to do mighty works there just like he did in other places. But he could not. Because it wasn't God's will to heal the people of Nazareth because he didn't love the people of Nazareth like he loves people everywhere else. Because if God's will is for them to be healed, then they're going to be healed. So because they weren't healed, it wasn't God's will. I hope I'm provoking you. Because this is what people land on. Not in this, I'm not talking about from this verse, but they land on if it's God's will to heal, they'll be healed. Let me ask you this question. If, if it's God's will, does God want people to be saved? So if a person doesn't get saved, then it's not God's will for them to be saved. Now, actually, some people believe that. I don't believe that. How does a person become saved? By believing. By believing. Confessing with your mouth. Jesus says, Lord, believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So God made salvation available for the person, right? But the person has to walk into that agreement. When they confess with their mouth, and believe in their heart, they shall be saved. So if a person doesn't confess with their mouth or believe in their heart, then it must not be God's will for them to be saved. No. God ordained for ways for people to be saved. The Bible says it is God's desire for all men to be saved and come to the truth of the, of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, right? God's desire for all men to be saved. Jesus said, whosoever will, whosoever comes... For all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's God's desire, His will. When people choose otherwise, that doesn't mean it's God's will. The point I'm trying to make is, just because a person doesn't get healed doesn't mean that's God's will for them not to be healed. There can be other factors involved. And if we can at least come to a place, instead of forming a doctrine and locking into that, we can at least say, I don't understand. God, I don't understand why we prayed several times and I'm still not healed. I don't understand, but I'm going to trust you because I believe your desires for me to get, get healed. I believe that. I don't understand the circumstances, but I'm going to continue to trust you. I'm going to continue to trust you. I'm going to continue to ask. I'm going to continue to believe. And I'm going to continue to learn and say, Holy Spirit, search my heart. What's going on? Is there anything going on in me? Because I can tell you this. There are hindrances to the kingdom invading and the kingdom of God having its way. And right here we see in Nazareth, Jesus could do no mighty work because of their doubt and unbelief. See, they were offended at him. They're like, wait a minute now. You're the guy who grew up and played Legos with our kids. So how can you act like you're the son of God? That doesn't make any sense. And they were offended at him. Offense led to doubt and unbelief. We can be offended for different reasons. But being offended 
will hinder the kingdom of heaven working in your life. Offense will hinder God's kingdom, God's power working in your life. Offense. You know, one place when Jesus said, when he cursed the mulberry tree or he cursed some fig tree, and they're like, wow, look, Jesus, it, it shriveled up. And he says, if you have faith, you can say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. And if you believe that, it's going to happen. And I'm paraphrasing because I can't. But it says, when you stand praying, you need to forgive. Right there, you need to forgive. In other words, it shows that. Because if you do not forgive, neither will your father forgive you. So he's talking about miracles. He's talking about you can ask whatever you desire, a mountain being removed. You can say anything that's going to happen. But you need to forgive. It's like, what does that have to do? Wait a minute. He goes from miracles to relationship. What's that got to do with anything? It has everything to do with that. Unforgiveness. Bitterness. Taking up offense. It will hinder. It can block the flow of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, in our midst. Here was a town where it says Jesus could do no mighty work except heal a few sick folk. And I believe, now I'm speculating obviously, but those sick folk that got healed were probably ones that said, Hey, Jesus, I don't care. You play with my kids. I believe who you are. I believe in you. They believed him. They didn't take offense at him. And I know what happened in my life. I took offense at God because my prayers weren't being answered the way I thought they should. I got offended. And talking about hardly seeing anything happen as far as the power of God in my life, it's like it came to a screeching halt. And I hit that reset button. I said, God, forgive my offense. I'm going to start to trust you again going to start to trust you again. And here's the, here's the deal. Here's what the Holy Spirit wants. He wants us to look at Jesus. He wants us to look at him. He's the one who started this whole thing, right? He's the one that our faith is placed in, right? Would you agree? Is he trustworthy? Is he someone that you can put most of your trust in? All of it then we can look at his example and look at what he did and look at what he says and believe and agree with it. And if you look at him in his example, we know that he healed everyone who came to him from what we see in the scripture. We can't see anybody that came to him that he turned away. Would you agree with that? And so looking at what we have been given following Jesus' example, because I know there's other stuff. I know there's passages in the Bible because there's arguments and debates and, well, this means this, this means that. Well, Paul's thorn in the flesh was sickness or no, it was this and all that. And I know there's stuff in there that makes us say, I don't get it. And a lot of that stuff, I say to you, I don't get it. But one thing I do get, I look at Jesus. And I see his example and I say, okay, I can understand that. And my childlike faith can grab a hold of Jesus and say, Jesus, I trust you. I believe you. I agree with you. And that's what he wants us to do. 
And when we do that, just like our brother was talking about, when we've set aside, we said, Lord, I give you my doubt and unbelief. It's not doing much for me. I give it to you. I want to believe you again. Because many of us in here have all kinds of negative experiences. We have all kinds of theological stuff going on around that's causing chaos. And it's not promoting the kingdom of heaven. It's causing a blockage. And the best thing we can do is not to try to figure it all out. The best thing we can do is say, Lord, I give this to you. Let you deal with that. And I'm just going to look at Jesus. Going to look at Jesus. And what he's done. And then he had the audacity to say, the things that I've done, I want you to do them too. He's done it. He's made it available. And I started going to Walmart again. Now I look for opportunities. I get a phone call. Hey, I have a sick uncle in the hospital. Where's he at? Tulsa. Which one? I'm on my way. I'll be there tomorrow. And I go because I anticipate the kingdom of heaven being manifest in that person's body. I anticipate. I anticipate. I expect. Am I seeing it 100%? Not yet. Not yet. But I'm excited for the opportunity. Just like a kid playing with toys or anticipating what he's going to get for Christmas. I'm excited about what the Father's going to do through you guys. I'm even excited about what's about to happen this morning. When I finish and close my mouth and invite you to come up here and receive prayer, and you start getting healed. That's what I'm excited about. And I want to encourage you with this. I want to encourage those of you who are going to be praying for people and those of you who are going to be receiving prayer. A short time ago, I was on my way to the hospital, got a call from a grandmother. Her granddaughter-in-law was in bad shape, ICU, heart messed up, abused drugs. Chance of living wasn't too high. She said, CJ, would you go pray for her? I said, absolutely, where's she at? And I'm driving to Tulsa. And then my mind started kicking in. Oh, no. Did I fast? When's the last time I fasted? Oh, between breakfast and lunch. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> Fast three times a day, actually. But I started thinking what I hadn't done. Was I prepared for this task? My mind was starting to, uh-oh, are you ready for this? And then guess what else? Remember the last time you were praying for people? Remember the last time? Remember all those times you prayed? So my mind was trying to take me out. And I was starting to fret and thinking. And the Holy Spirit asked me a question, or he told me something. He's so awesome, by the way. Holy Spirit is so cool. He's my best friend. But he said, 
He said, son, don't go based on what you have or haven't done. Go based on what I've already done. When you come up to receive prayer, or when you're praying for people, because see, not only are you going to come up and receive prayer and get healed and experience the wonderfulness of God here, but you are going to remember and realize that you are called to lay hands on the sick. Every single one of you that are born again, that's your qualification, to lay hands on the sick. You're going to start doing that in the workplace. You're going to start doing that at home. Some of you are going to even have the audacity to go to Walmart. And as you go and do that, guess what's going to start happening? You know, some people say, man, I've never seen anybody healed. You ever pray for anybody? No. There's your clue right there. (laughs) Fix that, and you'll probably start seeing different results. When you don't pray for anybody, you're going to see 100% results. Zero. 100%. When you start praying for people, you're going to start seeing more. I'm not saying when you first start it, you're going to see everybody healed. But you might, right? Just because it hasn't happened to me or whatever doesn't mean it's not going to happen to you. So I'm not going to put that limitation on you. Would you stand with me? I was going to finish a train of thought, but the train got derailed, so I don't know what it was, so it didn't matter. So if the prayer team would come on up. One thing that can hinder you or hinder us, I mean, we all deal with this, is that familiarity thing. In other words, yeah, I know these people. Yeah, I've I've watched football games with him, or we've had dinner with them, and I know them. They're cool people, but, I mean, they're nobody special. Exactly. Except for one thing. They have Holy Spirit. Same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells within them, and he dwells within you too. So it's not about who's up here representing him. It's about who they're representing. And I'm saying that to say a lot of times we can look at the person who's praying for us and not expect much. And I want to encourage you to put that down. Let's not be like the people of Nazareth where say, oh, I know you. I just want to encourage you to come and receive. If you've been prayed for a hundred times before, let's go for 101. Let's just keep going after him. Going and believing what he's made available. He made it available. Sometimes we just got to just keep trusting. Keep trusting. Keep praying. Keep receiving prayer. I'm going to share one quick story and then we're going to pray. That really helped me to see things differently. There's a man in India. No, he was a man from India. He's a pastor and he was praying for people, having you know, meetings and praying for people. People were getting healed and all kinds of wonderful things where this lady, this elderly lady came up who was totally blind. He prayed for her. She fell out under the power of God. She got up and she was still blind. 
And he, and he said, ma'am, come back again tomorrow. I'll pray for you again. She came back the next night. Altar call. He prayed for her. She fell out under power, got up, still blind. He said, come back again tomorrow. I don't know how many days this guy was there, but he was there. She came up and got prayed for eight times. Eight. What if she would have said on the fifth time, I'm getting tired of falling down. This is old. I'm out of here. On the eighth time, when she came up for prayer, he laid hands on her. She fell under the power of God. She got up. She could see totally, perfectly. A time later, this man was driving, and all of a sudden he had an open vision. I think he pulled off to the side of the road as it was happening. So, <laughs> And he had an open vision, and he saw he was taken back to the scene of that elderly lady that he prayed for, and she was healed. And what he saw on her was this, this thing, basically it was a demon, on her head. And it had eight tentacles wrapped around her eyes. And when he prayed, he saw one of the tentacles pop off. Eight times. What if she would have stopped at number seven? I'm going to close in prayer and then... I just want you to come get it. Come get what he has for you. Amen? He is so amazing. Jesus, that is. And he thinks you're amazing. And he wants good things for you. Father, we thank you for what you made available. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the gospel, the simple gospel of Jesus. Where you brought salvation so we can be forgiven. We can be healed. We can be delivered. All of that. You brought the whole package, Father, and you want us to have the whole package. And because we were able to give you our doubt and unbelief, our bitterness, our offense, we gave that to you earlier. And so, Lord, now we we want the other part of the exchange. We want to receive what you have for us. So, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here. And we just acknowledge your presence and we honor you and we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name. And Father, I just speak your blessing on every person here. I thank you that they're going to receive what you have for them. And I just pray you bless the families, bless the homes. Those who are at home sick, the colds and the, and the viruses and all that, we curse those in Jesus' name. And we release healing to our brothers and sisters and children who are at home sick. We release healing to them right now in Jesus' name. We agree corporately and we say yes. We say be whole and be healed in Jesus' name. And we thank you. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.